and mentalhealthjourney.com. Hi guys, hope all well. This is Connor Stone speaking, the founder and content creator at mentalhealthjourney.com. I'm just making this podcast um, not as a start to a series, but just as a standalone podcast and celebration of World Mental Health Day, which as I'm recording is tomorrow, the 10th of October. So I hope you all have a very zen out day for that. Um, the reason I'm doing it is just because I suppose most of my sharing to date has been through text, through my blog or through social media posts and I wanted to share it in, in my own voice, in my own words, especially for those that haven't heard me before, don't know who I am. I imagine a lot of the people listening to this would be somewhat familiar with my story just from reading my blog post or from knowing me but I always find that hearing someone's voice can make it that little bit more relatable Um, I know from for me listening to podcasts and hearing someone in a similar position talk about their own experiences just brings me some comfort so I'm hoping I can do that through this podcast Um, so I suppose a good place to start is just a bit of background on me you know I'm a 23 year old from Dublin in Ireland living over in London been here for just over a year now about 13 months and you know I would consider myself a a massive sports enthusiast I would consider myself a big family man um I tried to be a good boyfriend tried to be good to my colleagues that type of thing all all very important to me um this mental health advocacy thing is quite new I've probably started only doing it consistently um around June time whereas I suppose maybe been doing it in a, in a in a more personal sense for about a year or so but my journey with mental health or my conscious journey with mental health and I suppose that's what this blog and this podcast is all about my my mental health journey and sharing it with you guys and I suppose that all began about two years ago for me so that's when I started to experience mental health difficulties for the first time and I suppose what I mean by that is that it was two years ago that I first became conscious of my own mental illness because I know some of my close friends uh, especially my best friend had pulled me aside and said to me before here are you okay you know are you going through similar to what x person or y person is going through and i take offense to him and be like what no geez i'm fine would you leave me alone but um it was about two years ago that a big thing happened in my life where i had to retire from sport and um you know sport was a massive part of my life um i'm a competitive person and, I, and it was my place to release that in a healthy way um i suppose it's always good to to release anger and stuff like that as well and to, and to release excess amount of energy and people who know me would know i'm quite an energetic guy and um i wanted to go far in sport as well you know i, I just had huge ambition in that and i, I wasn't the most naturally talented player i wasn't big i, I wasn't particularly strong or, or fast so i had to work pretty hard to to get to a level that i wanted to to get to and you know i i hit some good peaks and that I made Dublin development squads and hurling growing up and um I made my senior hurling team quite young in my club and it looked like I was going to have 
quite a good career but you know like a lot of people out there I was given a a poor roll of the dice and and was just very damaged by injuries uh be it broken bones or or torn muscles but the thing that got me in the end was I had this kind of underlying hip condition um that ended up putting a, a lot of strain on, on my hip joints and I ended up tearing cartilage from overtraining and uh, in both hips and I was forced to retire at the age of 20 after a lot of failed attempts at, at rehab and I'd be doing these crazy rehab schedules for you know three to six months at a time and coming back and feeling great and then it would go again and it, it was at this time when I was 20 that I just was resigned to the fact that I was going to need surgery and the likelihood of me playing again was was quite low um, and I don't know if that hit me all at once really um, I was working at the time I was on internship and I was earning money the first time and you know I thought maybe oh there's a I'm not training so it means I can go out more or I can do this and that and Again, I had a carrot at the end of that um, month. This would have been June of 2017. And I knew that in July, I would have been traveling to Southeast Asia with, with three of my best friends. And I was really excited about that. We had our plan for the whole trip. Uh, we knew where we were staying. We knew where we were going, all that stuff. And I was really looking forward to it. Um, but I, I had noticed that, you know, I was getting headaches and I was having issues with my energy it was it was fluctuating quite rapidly more so than it usually would and um i suppose i didn't look into it too much but it was definitely there and it was when i got to southeast asia then that uh things changed where obviously i'd gone into it thinking this is gonna be great i heard it's a great piss up some great scenery um there with my best mate is going to be brilliant but um didn't turn out that way i enjoyed the first few days but about f- maybe four or five days in i ended up having what i now know to be a panic attack i didn't know what it was at the time i was convinced i was going to die um it's hard to imagine i guess really if you haven't had it before but it is just this uncontrollable energy that courses through your body. For me, it was going through my arms, through my legs. I was shaking. I couldn't really breathe properly. I had this really bad headache, a bit like a migraine. And it just kept going for 20-odd minutes. And I didn't know how to stop it. Like, nothing was calming it down. And the lads didn't know what to do. God bless them. And unfortunately, this ends up being a regular occurrence for the rest of my trip I had a few more of these some memorable ones and I just had this general air of anxiety around me for the rest of the trip and bear in mind the first one happened a week into a six week trip so I had to trudge on and I was very close to going home at certain occasions and I imagine it's just my stubbornness I think I get it from my dad that kept me there and I said listen stick through it it might get better it didn't but I had I suppose my mom down the other end of the phone and I had my best mates with me in Asia luckily and they were very good to me and they 
you know, didn't force me to go drinking or on going nights out when I didn't feel like it and I was lucky to have them. But after I had the first panic attack, I was brought to hospital and they gave me this bag of Valium or I don't really know what it was at the time. It was just this bag that said for anxiety. I was like, oh, grand, I'll take this if it makes me feel better. And I just could not operate on a daily basis without it. I, I had to keep taking it and that is kind of scary. Uh, I just felt not in control of myself in any way, shape or form and my energy was completely off. I did not enjoy those last five weeks of the trip. It was pretty horrible. And my mom, being a good psychotherapist, she had convinced me to go to counselling when I came back from the trip. And I thought to myself, listen, I, the only reason I was feeling off was because I was away from home and in this unfamiliar environment. I'm like, I don't really need counselling, but if it makes her feel better, I'll go for two or three sessions and I'll be grand. I'll tick that box but here I am two and a bit years later still going to that same counsellor and I talk to him every two weeks over Skype now that I'm living in London but we've gone on some journey together I guess um, where it started off and me going in and you know being pretty shaky and anxious and saying to him listen I was on holidays there didn't feel great but uh, I'll, I'll be fine and in a few weeks, you know, there's not a huge amount to talk about here. And he didn't accept that, fair play to him. He prodded it away and tried to get more out of me and build up a story. And he got a good story out of me where, you know, he kept pushing on the sport aspect. And we found out together, I guess, that me losing sport was a loss, like any loss, be it losing a loved one or the end of a relationship or whatever it might be because I was training five or six times a week and I had such ambitions in the sport like I it was all I wanted to do was succeed in that and to play for my county and to succeed for my club and to make my dad proud and it was taken away from me and that was hard to take and I didn't deal with it properly so with him he started to help me deal with those emotions and the aftermath of losing sport in a healthy way and another thing was he kept pushing me on my parents separation and to show how much I'd pushed this down when he asked me about it I didn't even know what year it was I didn't know how old I was I was able to give ballpark figures but no specifics like when it happened I didn't talk to any of my friends about it for a year because I wasn't sure if my parents wanted me to talk about it. I didn't know if they'd be getting back together, what the situation would be. And I didn't want to spread anything that might not be permanent. So I just didn't speak about it for a year. And I pushed it down so much that um, in my next year, I actually had my most successful academic results. I made the Dublin development squad I became the head of the char main charity in my school I became school prefect I just had a remarkable year but that came off the back of me working to forget and working to push down what was really going on I look back on that now with 
a huge amount of regret and shame just where I have two younger siblings I should have been talking to them about this and I should have been checking if they were okay and sharing my own feelings but you know I suppose it's never too late for that luckily and I've started to do that through my counselling journey and talking to my parents more about it talking to my brothers and sisters more about it talking to my friends more about it and trying to heal because again that's a loss and it's something that I didn't really deal with properly and it's through counselling that I started to recognise all this stuff like big and small things be it you know little frights with friends or you know being jealous or the big things like the separation or losing sport or moving away from home all that stuff I was able to really deal with that and communicate it properly to him and then to the stakeholders in my life that need to hear about these feelings and that was a huge step for me and without counseling I don't think I'd ever be able to share this blog and share this podcast so I'm very grateful for that. Counseling was a big catalyst in me opening up about this stuff to friends and family and to I suppose to you guys now and it wasn't easy it's gotten a lot easier as I've gone on and more people know my story and it's it's not a big surprise when I start talking about it now but I remember when I started seeing my counsellor I, I was very ashamed of it like uh, I remember when I was in college friends would ask me oh, are you coming for a coffee and I'd say oh no uh, I just have physio so I can't and you know they'd accept it but reality I was actually going to see my counsellor in Ballybrack and just found it too awkward to drop into a normal conversation, which is sad. But then even with my family, um, I know I mentioned this in, in my first blog, uh, like my mom's a psychotherapist, so it was completely fine to talk to her about this and she understood. And around this stage, I started seeing my girlfriend, Laura, as well, and she's a nurse and she's had experiences in her own family with, with anxiety and mental health issues. So again, she, she understood, but when I said it to my dad, I suppose he wouldn't have come from a, a background like my mom or a working background like my mom. Um, he didn't really understand initially, and that was tough. And he's great now, thank God. Um, he asked me how I am all the time, but initially I think it was a bit of a shock for him, and he just didn't understand the subject. It wasn't out of cruelty; it was just out of ignorance and. You know, I worked with him on trying to build up his understanding of the area. And, um, now he has a good understanding and he feels comfortable to ask me about things, which is nice. But initially that was difficult. So to share with people who weren't in my best friend group and to share with my dad and maybe some older people in my life, people from a different generation, was quite difficult and it took a while for that to become okay and to become normal and that's a bit of a shame thing as well and it's nearly a self-fulfilling prophecy where I'd feel ashamed so I wouldn't share and then I'd feel ashamed that I didn't share and it was something I wanted to put a stop to so I guess I became a bit of an open book about this um, and I would have been in my personal life first and probably only recently again that I've brought it into a professional sense 
I think professionals difficult because especially for young aspiring people you want to be seen as invincible when you go into the workplace especially when you get a new job you, you just don't want to be seen as being weak and I still thought mental health would have been seen as a weakness in the workplace and it wasn't until I, I came on hard times in the last year and had a bit of a setback that I came to my employer and shared with them and surprise surprise they're actually brilliant like absolutely brilliant and it's made my life a lot easier so although it was difficult to share with everyone it's so nice that I can now say listen I'm going to counselling on Thursday or I'm going to yoga tonight or I won't drink this evening because I'm not feeling great or I might need to take a sick day because I'm you know just down in the dumps or whatever it might be and that's been a massive life improvement so it wasn't just counselling and sharing it with myself and going on that journey of of self-discovery it was about bringing people along with me and making that journey a little bit easier and that's been great so sharing and reflecting being in counselling or with my friends and family my girlfriends with colleagues it's all helped me massively to get to this level of self-awareness that I feel I'm at today and um, another part of that self-awareness journey has been mindfulness and I'm actually training to be a mindfulness teacher at the moment with the British Mindfulness Institute which is great I'm, I'm looking forward to building my knowledge in the area and and understanding some more of the theory because I have been practicing for oh, you know two and a bit years since my headspace days in Thailand to to now and um, I probably meditate for I'd say up to 40 minutes a day really um, I just find it, it wakes me up it gives me energy it, it relaxes me and it's nothing crazy I, I do a lot of stretch meditation keep it active because i have an active mind I do a lot of breathing exercises again because there's there's something to focus on um i have a racing mind so it's hard for me to just sit there with no thoughts coming in for you know minutes on end so i don't think i'll be a monk anytime soon but i found things that work for me just little tools and techniques that bring me back into the present moment and Again, I, I kind of have these in the suggested health tools in my blog, but if anyone wants to ask me about what I've tried and what I find good, just send me a message or send me an email. Um, but I, I think mindfulness has taught me that there's no need to be in such a rush. And I know that's ironic given I moved to London and it's probably the busiest place in Europe or Europe as it is for the moment. But... I've stopped kind of being in the rat race where I now cycle to work and exercise can be mindful, you know, just taking in the nature around me and taking in the skyline of London and the people that I pass by and the people that pass by me. Um, be it walking around now, I don't feel like I need to shove past old grannies to get onto tubes and race up escalators. I can now just walk mindfully, be aware of my movements. Um, you know, I go to yoga, I go to meditation classes, and they all just help me feel that little bit more normal. 
again like it's I'm not a monk it's it's I lay myself days off with this as well um if I have stuff on but there's always little techniques that I can use to to bring myself in and that's been a really important part of my journey um without it I'd have a fair few more panic attacks in my in my past no doubt um but I'm really thankful for that as a practice and I don't want anyone to think because I do this blog and I do I'm doing this podcast that I'm all cured and I'm an expert on this because I'm, I'm not at all um you know it was as recent as July that I had my last panic attack and was <laughs> pretty down and out for two weeks after um couldn't really function properly in work. Uh was obviously on my own over here in London. Um just wasn't in a great pace and that can happen, you know. So it shows I'm not like I'm not invincible at all, like that could happen to me again soon. I hope it doesn't because I have tools now that I think can help me to deal with that and prevent that. But you know, I'm now Superman, uh like I take antidepressants, uh I take 100 milligrams of serotonin every morning. I uh, have done since June. I sometimes need to take time off work if I'm feeling very bad. Um, sometimes I need to reduce my workload. Sometimes I need to skip nights out or I don't drink on nights out. Sometimes I need to um, get an extra counseling call in between my two hour, my my one every two weeks. Sometimes I need to get on the phone to my mom or my girlfriend or my friends and you know, be nearly in tears. Um so I just want to clarify that, you know, I'm I'm no genius. I, I don't have all the answers, but I have tried a lot of stuff and I've made a lot of improvements. And I just want to share that in case it, it can help others to expedite their own journeys and hopefully they don't have to go through the same two and a half years of trial and error that I've gone through. Um, like this mental health work, it's it's nearly a full-time job really, you know. I'm always conscious of of caring for myself now, which is a good thing. I've, I've put that energy that I used to put into sport and co-curricular activities into into me and that's not selfish like that's just necessity that's just self-care and you know obviously part of that is is relationships and with friends and family and and my girlfriend and stuff and um that's all part of 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 my own mental health so i give as much time as i can to that and it's nice to be able to do that and it's nice that i can relax now and i give myself that time I try to have weekends off. I try to have evenings off. I, I I don't want to overdo it. When I don't have work to do, I I you know I I leave on time. I don't make work for myself when it's I see it as unnecessary, and I I would have done in the past. Um. So, I've made a lot of changes, but I'm not. One hundred percent there yet, and I never will be. Um. But. I've love the fact that I've learned so much about myself. I love the fact that I think I'm going to be a happier person now than I would have been if, if 
I never had those panic attacks in Thailand. I've had some down, down days. Don't get me wrong. Um, I've had times when I've thought nothing of myself. I've had times when I've thought, you know, what is there for me to do that that's really gonna fulfil me? Um, I've had times when I thought I'm never gonna be able to be me again and be humorous and be able to socialise properly and succeed. But now I've found a way that I can care for myself and succeed and that makes me happy and it's mental health day world mental health day and i just wanted to share that yeah listen this stuff is shit don't get me wrong it's not something that you wish upon your your biggest enemy in the world but it is something that if you go at it with the right attitude you can come out of it on the other side with a huge amount of self-awareness and a huge potential for happiness in your future and you just really need to put your head down and, and put energy into feeling better because it doesn't just fix itself it's not just like a broken nail it's, it's not just going to grow back and, and be better in time you just need to put whatever you can into it and um, be it psychotherapy or cognitive behavioral therapy mindfulness exercise talking to friends and family or a combination of all these uh, there's hope for for all of us really and even if you're not going through problems again prevention is the best cure you know being proactive will possibly save you going through the, the dark times that i did and many other people do so I want to thank everyone that's read my blog so far. I want to thank everyone who's listened to this podcast. And I want to thank everyone who's shared their stories with me um, since I started all this. It's been amazing. And there's people out there that have gone through worse than me and have gotten out of worse than me. And that can be the same for you. Um, so thank you and namaste, as they say. Have a great World Men's Health Day. And... Keep reading and getting in touch. Thanks, man. A mental health journey.com.